Greetings, everyone. Again, I want to welcome you to Centerpoint Bible Church. My name is Lowell, and I serve as the lead pastor at Centerpoint, and we are so glad that you've joined with us today. We have been in existence for over a decade now, but certainly the current challenge that we're all facing has, has brought some unique challenges to us as a church. But we are so thankful that we can meet here through Facebook or whatever means that you're tuning in with us, and we can still be encouraged by God's Word and still allow the Lord to allow us to, to connect together. And I, today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about our connection with one another and how important it is. And certainly you are experiencing um, the, the challenges of isolation. I know many, many people are. But one of the things that I really hope will come through today is you are not alone. God is with you. He desires to have fellowship with you, to be with you. And what I want to encourage you with today is the reality that if you're in Christ today, if you have a relationship with Him, He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And He desires to, to be an encouragement to you right now, to, to come alongside. And so no matter what is going on in your life, maybe you're, you're filled with fear or anxiety or worry, uh, maybe you're just bored or just tired of the same old, same old. Listen, God understands that. He invites you to himself. He is in control of all of this. And I hope that our time in God's word will be an encouragement to you today. So let's put aside everything else that's going on. Let's have our Bible in front of us. I encourage you to, to join with us in that way. And let's see how God wants to encourage our hearts on this day. Well, one of the things that I think many of us are wrestling with right now is a, is a question that, that runs deep in our soul. And the reason why maybe we're questioning through this or processing through this question, maybe I should say, is much of what we identified with ourselves prior to just a few months ago has been taken away. Maybe, maybe you're not able to go to work anymore. Maybe, maybe your, your employment has had to close up shop, and, and so now you find yourself um, virtually unemployed. Or, or maybe you're working from home, and that's a new dynamic for you, and it's not something that you're used to. Or maybe you are alone, and there's nobody in your home with you. And so the challenge of this isolation is even compounded because you're there by yourself. Maybe you have family members who are far away, children or parents, who, so you're separated from them. All these things, when we strip away these things, all, this all creates a, a time of questioning, of wrestling. And it's a question that I want us to focus on from God's Word today, and it's this. Who am I? Not so much who am I, but who are you? It's a question that that people are wrestling with right now. And, and a lot of times we identify ourselves with maybe a job title or a career choice. And so if you were to ask somebody who are you, they would answer maybe a teacher or, or maybe a pastor or a carpenter or, or, or the like. Or we might identify ourselves with a skill or a talent. I'm a, I'm a soccer player. I'm a lacrosse player. I'm a, I'm a guitarist. I'm a pianist, whatever it might be. Or, or, or maybe a relationship. I'm a mom. I'm a grandmother. I'm a grandfather. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm an aunt. I'm an uncle. And now we find ourselves where 
where many of those things have been stripped away and some people are, are lost because their career has been taken away. Because they can't interact with their children or they can't go to the ball field or, or they can't use their talent or their ability. A few years ago, a group called Casting Crowns in 2004 put out a song and it was called Who Am I? It was, it was a tremendous song. Um, it spent many weeks on the top of the billboard charts. And, and they ask a question that I think we're going to have answered in Peter's letter. And let me, let me just read for you some of the lyrics. They, they said, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way from my wandering heart? And, and the, the songwriter goes on and says, it's not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. It's not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. This is a question that runs deep in our soul. Who am I? And Peter is going to address that for us. I want to read in the book of 1 Peter. We've been studying that together. We're in chapter 2 now. And I want to read just two verses, just two verses for us this morning. And follow along with me in your Bible. Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once... You were not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to talk today, first of all, about who we are. And it, it rests and it, and it lands on the truth that who we are is, is built upon what God has done. What God has done in our lives. Let me just show you four phrases that Peter uses that references who you are in Christ. If you have looked to Jesus and not yourself for your salvation, you know that you're a sinner, you've turned from your sin and repentance from what you have done, you've turned to God and said, I know that I am not righteous, I know I have missed the mark, so I look to your son Jesus and what he did on the cross. This is what God does instantaneously in your life. He changes your identity. Four phrases. You find them in verse number nine. Let me run through them quickly, and then we'll pick them apart. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. Now, some of these things are somewhat familiar, but even the familiar ones will be challenging. There are other dynamics about this that I'm certain that may not have occurred to you. And those facts maybe contain the greatest challenge of all. So let's, let's look at this together. Peter writes, you are a chosen race. What does that mean? What does it mean to be chosen? It means to be selected. It means to be of, of all the choices God has chose, has selected you. 
was nothing that you could do to earn his favor. There was nothing that you could do to, to earn his choice. The Bible is clear that God has elected to cho- choose some to bring to himself. Now this opens up many questions that, that we don't have the time or quite honestly the mental capacity to fully answer. The dilemma that we find when we read Scripture with our finite minds between the sovereignty of God and the free choice of man. And I am in no, I don't desire to take away either one of those because they're both in Scripture. But what this passage has to say, what Peter has to say, is that you in Christ, those who are elect in Christ, are a chosen race. This is a a group of people that God has selected to bring to himself. Paul further describes it and, and elaborates more in Ephesians 1. He says that this happened before the foundation of the world. God made this choice. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his children. A chosen race. Secondly, it says that believers in Christ, those who know Jesus, are a royal priesthood. Now, what does that mean? A royal priesthood. Royal has the idea of kingship, of rule, of majesty. And priesthood has the idea of, of being welcomed into the presence of God that we might join with Him. Do you see what God has done? For those who He has brought into His family, that He has elected into this chosen race, He has offered us free access to Him. As if we were royalty, we can come into his presence and seek him out. This is what Peter says. He says that we are a holy nation. What does that mean? It means that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Holy has the idea, we've we've spoke about this many times together over the last few weeks as we've studied the book of Peter, 1 Peter, because he uses this term a lot. It means to be unique, set apart, special. So what this indicates to us is, when we come to know Christ, God has a special call on us. We are special. We have a special relationship with God that doesn't come naturally. You're not born with this relationship. We are a holy nation. It's special access to God because we're royal priesthood. We now have access to God because He has elected us to come to Him now as a chosen group of people. And not only are we special in that God has uniquely called us to himself, but what this indicates to us is we as a people are now different. Things are different now, and Peter's going to explain that in just a moment. I saw one author who, who in describing this idea that we are a holy nation, he said that three things have changed. And just think about these. They all start with A, so you can remember them. He said three things have changed. When we come to Christ, when we're part of the body of Christ, when when we are part of this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, God changes some things. He changes our affections, our ambitions, and our actions. Let me just briefly mention those. Our affections. He changes what we love. what, What matters to us. He changes our ambitions. So he changes what we want. What, what is our priority now? He changes that. And he changes our actions, what we 
do. So when Peter says that we are a holy nation, it means that God has kept us in this world, but we are unique and different than the world around us. And I I suspect that you may feel that at times. And then the fourth thing for our first walkthrough, Peter says we are a people for his own possession. Now, if you're holding a King James Bible, it may say a peculiar people, peculiar. Now, that sounds strange. That sounds like a weirdo. You know, that that doesn't sound very attractive. And that's not what this word means. That's not what this expression means. The ESV translates it well. It says that we are a people for his own possession. Peculiar. You can look it up. You can click away some other time here online and, and see the definition. There's a lot of definitions for it. And one of them is be owned by someone else. When you came to Christ, you no longer belong to yourself. You and I are now God's. The Bible says that we have the right to be called children of God. See, we're now children of God. We, he is our heavenly Father. Jesus said we cry out to Him, Abba, Daddy. Special relationship. Now, I told you we went through this once. I, I want to point out something else about each of these phrases. So let's just read it one more time. And I want you to see something here that, that is very important for us. Verse 9 only says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. One of the things I want you to see about this is that all four of those expressions have inherent in their meaning a sense of plurality, a corporate sense. You can't be a race all by yourself. You can't be a royal priesthood all by yourself. You can't be a nation all by yourself. You can't be a people for his own possession all by yourself. So there's two dynamics here I want you to see in in wrestling through who you are. First of all, you are a masterpiece. That's how Paul describes it in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. That word workmanship could also be translated a special work of art, a masterpiece. I brought this mug with me today because this is a masterpiece. Now, it may not be worth millions of dollars to you, but it's worth a lot to me. A, a, a relative and friend, my sister, made this for me. And this is crafted by her own hands. So this is her masterpiece. And she presented it to me as a gift. And so it's, there is no value on this. It's, there's no limit to its value. Because my sister, who I love and who loves me, made it for me. It's a masterpiece. And what we need to understand about what God says about us is that we are His workmanship. We are a masterpiece that God has knit together in a loving way. And has called us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, a masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. But that's not all that Peter shows us. We're not just a masterpiece. No. No. We, as the body of Christ, 
are a masterpiece set. See, my sister didn't just make one. She made a set of these. One for me, one for my wife. They, they come together as two. And in, in the morning as we sit in our living room and drink our coffee, we, we drink out of this masterpiece set of coffee mugs. Now that may seem like a strange or a silly illustration to you, but this is the sense of these words. That God has crafted you together, but not as one individual who, who only you reside alone with your relationship with God and no others. We are a set of masterpieces. We come together to form one masterpiece body of believers. And this is one of the things that Peter is trying to communicate to us. We, we used to just be ourselves. We were, we were alone, individuals. But now when you came to Christ, God brought you together with other brothers and sisters, all unified in Christ, all now one chosen body, all now one royal priesthood, all now one holy nation, all now one people possessed by God. This is who you are if you are in Christ. You are part of a masterpiece set that God has put together. This is the invitation that God offers to all of humanity. He wants all of humanity to come be part of His masterpiece set that He crafts together and remakes us. See, we were born as, sure, the creation of God. But we were jaded by sin. And so we were not a work of art. But God chose to do this work in us. Have you surrendered to Christ and been part of His set? I trust you have. So Peter has been expressing to us what God has done. But now in this fabulous verse, in verse number 9, he's going to give us a little glimpse into why God did it. Why? We dealt with this a little last week, if you were with us. We talked about why God saved us. And, and even then, we, we were honest with ourselves that we have to be careful when we try to delve into the why God does something. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's impossible for us to truly understand all the motivations of God. I, I can't understand why God did all that He did. I'm finite. He's infinite. But here in this verse, number 9, God gives us a glimpse into why he did what he did. Let me read it for you again. But you are a chosen race of royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received 
mercy. Why did God do it? Why did he, in his plan, make you part of his masterpiece set? Peter tells us one reason. It was so that we may proclaim God's glory. That we may shout out how great our God is. The way Peter said it is proclaim his or proclaim the excellencies of him. Proclaim is this idea of publishing fully, communicating fully. It's this idea that, that God has has given us an opportunity or really given us a call and saved us that we may be like a testimony that fully expresses all that God is and all that He has done. This is our role. This is who you are. You're a proclaimer of God's goodness. You're a proclaimer of God's greatness. You are God's goodness on display. That's why He saved you. I brought these mugs because I was proud of them. I wanted you to see how good they are. I wish you could hold them and and feel their weight and see see the beauty of them. I'm proclaiming their excellencies. And this is what God has called us to as believers. This is what He's going to do through us. The Bible uses other expressions to to communicate this, that we live for His glory. That whether we eat or we drink, we do it all for the glory of God. That's the same idea, that, that our, our lives and, and our identity and who we are and what God has done, it's, it shines a light, if you will, on the character and on the, on the actions of God. It's like a giant beacon that sheds light on who God is and says, look at Him. Look at this person, look at the difference God has made in them, and see the the character of the master builder. When you read a poem, when you read a work of poetry, you you might think, this author was incredible. When you listen to a song, when you when you listen to Casting Casting Crown sing that song, Who Am I? You might think their ability to write these lyrics and play this music is, is wonderful. You see, when we look at a work of art, we're moved in such a way that we honor or we have glory or we proclaim the excellencies of the artist. This is why God saves us. It's not just to keep us from hell. It's it's not just to rid us of sin. It's, It's not just to to make our lives better or, or something like that. It's to glorify Him, to proclaim His excellencies. Now you might wonder, what do I proclaim? I mean, what, what are these excellencies that I am to proclaim? Well, the passage tells us God's Word is amazing. You just, you just read it and allow it to explain itself. And that's my last point for today. What are we now to display? Well, Peter gives us three ideas. Three things of things that we should display. And I, before I get into them, I want you to see the, the emphasis here that Peter is going to, going to make is, is not so much about the character of God. He's not going to shine light on, on God's omniscience or his 
omnipresence or, or, or any of those, his love or his, those kind of things. No, no, he's, he's going to shine it more on what God has done in our lives. The excellencies that, that Peter's going to tell us to proclaim are more about the testimonial aspects of Christ's work in our life from this passage than anything else. Look at what they say. Look at, look at this testimony that you have if you're in Christ today, if you'll see it. He says, he's called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. That's one. That you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. That's two. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's three. These are three excellent truths, excellent testimonies of what Christ has done in our lives that we are called now to shine light upon them. Let me help you understand what they mean. First of all, he says that you are called out of darkness into a marvelous light. What does this mean? It means that we were groping around in the dark, abandoned by ourselves. In a dark pit, we have no light, we have no ability to see light, and God reaches in and turns on our eyes. And we now can see differently. In a figurative sense, in a spiritual sense. Before Christ changed me, before Christ made me one of His, all I saw was what this world had to offer. All I saw was what ended it at 75 or 85 or 95 years. It was all what was right in front of me, what I could touch and, and, and taste and feel and see. It was, that's all that mattered to me, was what I could experience with my five senses. I was a naturalist. I was, I was only into what I could see and touch and feel now. But when God made me alive, when He called me into relationship with Him... Now I've been exposed to a marvelous light. And I see life doesn't end at 75, 85, 95 years. My existence doesn't end when I go to the grave. Just me and what I own and what I can touch and what I can see and feel, that's not all that there is. People matter. God matters. Eternity matters. This is the light that I now see. And what God says is, I'm to proclaim that truth. Everywhere. Secondly, just moving along a little bit. We were once not a people. You and I were all by ourselves before Christ. We were individuals on this life journey all by ourselves. You were stuck. Man is an island outside of Christ. It's true. You were not a people. But now, God has made you one of His people. You know, Scripture says that Jesus came to his own in John chapter 1, and his own received him not. But all who did receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God. This is, a, this is an excellent truth, an excellent reality, an excellent part of my life that I proclaim, that I, that I experience and that I tell other people, I know I'm part of God's family now. I'm not alone. I'm His. He's mine. 
I have brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family now. We're part of a holy nation. A people that belong to God. A royal priesthood. This is who we are now, a chosen race. And the third thing that I shine light on is that before, I had not received mercy. Oh, I needed it. Mercy is, mercy is when we are shielded from the consequence that we deserve. Picture a battle shield. A spear coming your way. Mercy is where one places that shield between you and the spear. And though you deserved it, another takes the blow. That's what mercy is. Before, you and I had not received mercy. We were prepared to receive all that we deserved. But in His grace, God has brought mercy. Unending mercy. Mercy that's new every morning. Mercies that we can't outrun. He chases after us. Remember that reckless love that you sang of? That's His mercy chasing us down. These things are excellent about our God. That He has saved us that we might proclaim them and proclaim them fully. This is what God has done in your life if you're in Christ today. This is why He did it. So you can proclaim these truths. And this is now what you and I are called to display to all the world around us. See, I see, I exist. And I relate to God differently now because of what Jesus has done. I want to close out our time with three questions. And I want you to think about these. And in just a moment, Pastor Brock will be coming and joining me. And we will talk about this and other things at length. But I want you to think about this. First of all, about the change that God has made in your life. Be honest with yourself now and with your God. Are, are you learning about this change? Are you, are you hungry to, to know more of this change? Do you feel the change in your life? Does, is God confirming with you that you are His child? Are you seeing the change? The, the answers to all three of those questions should be yes, yes, yes. If not, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. It's what he promises in James 4. Second set of questions. I want you to think about this, this perspective that we should have about our masterpiece set of who we are. That we are not just us alone in my personal relationship with God, but I am now in a corporate relationship with God. That there is a masterpiece set of people. Have you seen the value of being part of a set? Do you long for relationship with other people who have relationship with God? 
This is what he has done. He has made you a race, a priesthood, a nation, and a people. And these truths cause in us a longing for this relationship with other people. And then thirdly, are you fully proclaiming these changes? I mean, are there areas that that you're holding back God from dealing with? Are there people who know that you are a good guy, maybe even a Christian, that you go to church, but they don't fully know why or how or who God is? We are to fully proclaim His excellencies. First Peter has a lot to say about what God has done individually in our lives. But he also has a lot to say to us as a corporate body of people who are all relating with one another as we relate with God. Now I know that that the challenges that we're in right now have created a, a lonely time for many. But I want to challenge you to, to find ways to relate to others. Find ways to experience this masterpiece set that Jesus has in store for us. And I look forward to us being together as a body of believers. Oh, it may be a little different for a little while, but there's coming a time when we'll be together again as a body. If not on this earth, with the Lord in heaven. Pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the relationship we have with you. God, would you show us that we are your people, a people possessed by you, a royal priesthood, Lord. We can come into your presence because we are a holy nation. We are set apart different from from everything we were before because you have chose us to be part of your family. Thank you, Lord, for that mercy and that grace, allowing our eyes to see this light and making us yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every week when we gather together as a body, and I look forward to to meeting some of you uh, for the first time face-to-face who have joined with us on on Facebook. Every week when we end our service, we, we end it by remembering Jesus' final words from Matthew chapter 28. We all stand as a body, and we recite this passage together. Hear it. Matthew chapter 28 Verses 18 through the end. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen.